Hello and welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre reviews and theatre-themed booze. Welcome back to another episode of Theatre Club Podcast. I'm Oscar. I'm Alice. And in case you've never listened before, this is our theatre podcast where siblings, we go see lots of theatre and then we review it. And in our free time we listen to it. (laughs) I've been listening to Sunset Boulevard, which we're going to talk about later in the show, all morning. I've had it stuck in my head since we saw it. So in this episode, yes, we're going to review Sunset Boulevard, the new production of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical based on the famous film. It's on it's on Spotify. There are two cast recordings if you want to go and listen to them. Which have you been listening to? I've been listening to the original Broadway with Glenn Close. And Patty Lepone. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I listened right. to Glenn Close. And then I also listened to the London cast recording with Patty Lepone. Patty Lepone. Has, did, did Elaine do a recording, Elaine Page? I haven't found that on Spotify. Oh, because she plays it on her show sometimes. Yeah, she plays her own recording. You're right, she does. But it's so I really like listening to the two different versions. and like The, the orchestra sounds quite different in both of them. Yeah. Nerd alert! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, more chat on Sunset Boulevard later. But first, um, what else have we been doing? Oh, we booked our National Theatre tickets for the upcoming season. Yeah, and I took I, I took the reins on this one. Usually you do all the booking. Mm-hmm. But um, you were in Devon, like on a family trip. So I was like, I'm, I'll, I'll do this one. I've got this. And I was so organised, wasn't I? I wrote down all the dates because we were kind of excited that the National Theatre are trialling this earlier start time. So instead of having to get to the theatre at 7 for a 7.30 performance, they're now doing a 6.30 start, which we're like... certain performances. Yeah, so I'd written down the dates that those were on for each of the shows that we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. Then I got into the queue and everyone in the office was kind of asking me, you know, should they be doing it? I said, yeah, come, do it as well. And... um, they were like, you know, they were going, okay, so what one do we do now? And I was like, oh, you just need to get in the queue first. Yeah. You need to make an account, first of all, before you even get in the queue. Because once you go in the queue, they'll ask you to log in. You don't want to waste time with that. No, no, no. So they did that. And then, um, yeah, picked the shows. They got in and then they're like, oh, my seats have gone. And I was like, yeah, welcome to the stress of a booking day on a big theatre website. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone who doesn't know, the National Theatre tend to release a sort of season at a time. So there were three new shows that we wanted to book. Obviously, these are still also on sale. We just like to get in there the morning of to try and get the best cheap seats at the National. Yeah, so the the cheapest seats are £20. And uh, they're really good seats. It's a a modern theatre, so you're not going to be stuck behind like a pillar around the corner. Like They are good seats, but they go quickly. So that's why we try and get them when they go on sale. We booked London Tide, which has... Oh yeah, we don't really know anything about that one other than it's it's called A Play With Music, which I like the sound of because mm. it, it's not necessarily musical, but I do like plays where they kind of incorporate music in an interesting way. It's the music of PJ Harvey, who again, I don't really know PJ Harvey. No, but... it sounds cool, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I think it's always interesting to take an artist that you wouldn't usually do like a jukebox musical of and sort of incorporate their music in a certain way. So we that's all that. we know. We booked uh, the Bronte sisters... Um, the, the, there's a play about the Bronte sisters. Yes, which kind of seems interesting. That's in the Dorfman, which is their smallest theatre. Um, but yeah, that that just sounds like I like those sorts of and looking then, at a character from a different angle. Yeah, and then the sh- third oh. show we booked was the New Year's <clears throat> Eve, which is a one-man play with Michael Sheen. It's not New Year's Eve, babe. It's called NYE. It's Nye, that's his name. Excuse me? It's about... Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought this was a show about New Year's Eve. No, it's about... Um, why do I keep forgetting his name? I'm going to have to look it up. A famous Labour politician. This is very far from a party. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that, that it was um, <laughs> NYE. Yeah, Nye Bevan, that's it. 
Um, and he was uh, a Welsh Labour Party MP, so he's playing a famous historical character called Nye. That goes to a pot on New Year's Eve. <laughs> no, I don't know if there's going to be any New Year's Eve-themed stuff going on. Sounds uh, kind of boring. Now. Yeah, he was health minister <laughs> in Clement Attlee's government, so he, yeah, he kind of set up the NHS. <sighs> Look, it's Michael Sheen. I think yeah. he'll, be, he'll be great. Love okay, Michael I'm Sheen. Le- less excited now, but anyway. Yeah, so tickets for these three shows are still available, however you might not find really good £20 seats. So that's the risk. So one of them, actually, which was the one we didn't book? Uh, we didn't book London Tide in the end because the cheap seats, the only ones they had were at the front of the Littleton and You're they have right. re- and they have restricted leg room. It, and sat, it is really restricted. I sat there for Lehman Trilogy and yeah, your feet, what there is is there's no, um, the seat in front is blocked so you can't put your feet under it so you're limited to your own Basically, your feet have to go sit below your knees. So they are uncomfortable. So what we have decided with that one is that we're not going to book that in advance. We're going to do the Friday rush. Yeah. So every Friday on the National Theatre website, you can be in with the chance to get cheap seats for the following week. So we're just going to play that one by ear and book that at the time to get cheap seats that way. So we booked two two of the three new shows. You're right. That is what we decided to do. Well, I thought we only had Sunset Boulevard, but actually I've forgotten, didn't mention this at the top, that you also went to see... England on Fire. By the Ballet Boys. Yes, at Sadler's Wells. Yeah, which I missed, and I've seen nearly all of their things, but I didn't see this one, so I'm going to be really interested to hear what you have to say. Are we going to start with that, or should we do Sunset first? Well, I'm going to do my top tip. Your top tip, of course. Okay, yeah. Let's start with that then. What is your top tip? So you know I was talking about the fact that we haven't really got a Christmas show in the diary and there's nothing I'm really that excited to see. Then I spotted that Drew McConey has directed and choreographed a version of The Nutcracker on the South Bank. Ah, yes, I saw a poster for that. Yeah, so it says it's called like Nutcracker with an exclamation mark and it's in a jazz club. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, really cool. And... It looks, I had a look at some of the reviews, Evening Standard have given it four stars, Guardian have given it four stars, Time Out loved it. It looks like a very quirky, modern retelling. Yes, set in a jazz club, like it's tiny. You can have like go in before and get drinks tokens. You can get like a £150 cabaret cabaret table or you could stand for like £20. So it's a kind of a really cool experience that you could do with kids or like with friends or on a date. Mm-hmm. And then you can also, on certain evenings, they're doing something called Nutcracker Late and you can stay and watch a jazz performance afterwards. Oh, that's fun. Make a whole night of it. And Drew McConey, for anyone who doesn't know, is a British choreographer and sort of very, well, not really up and coming anymore. He's very well established, has his own company. He does both dance and musical theatre. So what did he see that I really liked? On the town that we saw in the Regent's Park open air theatre, he choreographed and I thought the choreography in that was so good. And then over lockdown, actually, I watched one of his company, they did Jekyll and Hyde at the Old Vic, and that was like a modern dance retelling of Jekyll and Hyde, and that was really cool. Wow. Um, Okay, well, he's, yeah, he's he's very cool, isn't he? Yeah, young, edgy, does fun stuff, like really dance, yeah. And also Nutcracker is, has such good music. I love the music of Nutcracker. So I think that would be a really cool one to go and see. It starts, it's, it's on now, started in November, and it's going through till the 6th of January 2024. And you can get standing seats for £20, did yes. you say? That's quite good. Yeah, maybe we'll see that. Yeah, I'd like to go and... And it's a just... nice location to be also on the South Bank, because there's it's obviously... It's so wintry. ...loads of Christmassy stuff going yeah. on there. The Jazz Club, they've called it the Tough Nut Jazz Club. That's cool. It's quite a cool idea, isn't it? Also, it is performed to Tchaikovsky's unforgettable score but it's reimagined with a live on stage jazz band that's cool so tickets yes they're ranging from 15 pounds 
through to 136. You know, there's a wide range. And the 136 are going to be the cabaret table. Yes, and I think you get one complimentary drink. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I'd go for, like, cheapy tickets to that. Yeah, I'd really like to go and see it. Or I might just do it as, like, a Christmas outing with my friends. Yes. Because yeah. I quite like the idea of going to see going to see that and then you go out for drinks afterwards, you make a bit of a night of it. Yeah, do we have a runtime for that? It's 75 minutes. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, then nice, you're, short, snappy. You're out early enough for a drink, yeah. Yeah, I'm de- I think I'm definitely going to go and see that. So that's my top tip, Nutcracker, at the Tough Nut Jazz Club on the South Bank. Amazing. Okay, shall we get into our review of Sunset Boulevard? Boulevard. We've had all the songs stuck in our head. So um, Sunset Boulevard, as a musical, for anyone who doesn't know, is based on a film from 1950 by Billy Wilder. And then Android Webber turned it into a musical in 1992, 93. Um, so it, and it follows the story of the film very faithfully, which is, um, it's about a silent movie actress. But this It's set in the 50s, so the silent movie era has gone. So our lead character is Joe Gillis, and he is a screenwriter. Um, hard on his luck, he's not got any, any work coming in, he's behind payments on his car, he's got loan sharks hounding him, and he ends up ducking out of the way of these loan sharks in his car into a big Hollywood mansion where he meets Norma Desmond, and she had been a big silent movie era star 20 years prior, and has sort of disappeared from public sight now that she's, you know, no longer a big star, and so she finds out he's a writer, and she is working on her own script to make a return to the screen. And so he agrees to help write the script, mostly just because he needs money, even though, as he tells the audience, he thinks the script is absolute nonsense, like, ridiculous. She's kind of living in this delusional world, but he's like, I will help just, to get, the just to get the money. And then they sort of start to have this kind of quite toxic relationship. And yeah, and that's the story. So the, the film was like a film noir. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's really good. I'd recommend it. And then, so this musical is very faithful to that. They keep a lot of the original kind of script and, or like at least the the sense of that 1950s dialogue stays intact. Mm. And then the music does pay homage to the original lush Hollywood score. And you can imagine the music that would have been in Norma Desmond's films. It's echoing that. Lots of strings, lots of big melodies. Yes. And the original production of this was very opulent. Um, it starred Patti Lapone. There was then some big drama when it went to America because they she was promised the Broadway run, but it went to Glenn Close. So she sued them for like a million dollars. I was just Wikipediaing it this morning. Wow. And then Faye Dunaway was supposed to appear in it in Los Angeles. And then they they pulled, like during her rehearsals, they said she'll no longer be performing because she's not up to the to the singing. She then claimed that it was actually bad advanced ticket sales and that they damaged her reputation. So she sued them. So apparently the, the production lost loads of money, even though it was actually quite a big hit and ran for a long time. I think the running costs were huge. So the original production was very like lavish, opulent. Norma Desmond's this huge Hollywood star who lives in this big mansion. So this version that has just opened in London is a brand new production by Jamie Lloyd. Um, and he's got his own company called the Jamie Lloyd Theatre Company, hugely successful. He did um, recently A Doll's House with Jessica Chastain on Broadway. He did Bergerac with um, James McAvoy. He's done loads with James McAvoy. Um, we first saw his work when we saw You're in Town with Jenna Russell in 2013. And then shortly after that, he did um, Assassins at the Many a Chocolate Factory. So he does both plays and musicals, always has. But he's known for these quite edgy 
Evita. We loved his Evita at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. Oh, that was amazing. It was really, like, vibrant, stripped back. It was outdoors. They were using, like, flares. It felt like a, a sort of riot on the streets of Argentina. So he does really exciting things. So when we heard that he was doing this, we were thinking, okay, this is not going to be your classic Sunset Boulevard. And it definitely isn't. It definitely is not that. I mean... Two people left after like 20 minutes. Did you see oh, that? Oh, yeah. Because they, they obviously did. were like, we've come to see Nicole Scherzinger. Oh, that's the other thing that we should mention is that Nicole Scherzinger has been cast as Norma Desmond, which is like perfect casting, isn't it? Well, yeah. Because we can... she is in her 40s. She is, um, you know, she's not at the height of her career now. She's t- her career's taken like a shift, hasn't it? Well, yeah, she, from her music. Yeah. yeah, she's in a different height of her career now. And she probably is having to deal with aging and not feeling you know she's under a microscope all the time and so it's like the perfect it does make perfect sense yeah so this version is very stripped back like really really stripped back so you don't have the big lavish sets and for anyone who is already booked and is going to see this obviously you probably won't be listening to this episode anyway because you don't really want spoilers and we're not going to spoil loads but we will talk about some of the some of the things in it for those who are unsure you can listen and will tell you why you definitely should go. But for anyone already going, you might want it to be a surprise because it is quite a surprising staging. There were bits in it that actually just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. So the costumes are really uh, bare. Everyone is in... Well, obviously she was a silent movie star and the whole show is basically black and white. Yeah, the colour, the, the lighting is white lighting against black backdrops with a lot of smoke and all the costumes are black and white nicole scherzinger is in a black silk negligee for the whole performance everyone She's barefoot yeah and i think the first bit of thing that's quite not, not jarring but like it's a very strong like direction direction choice isn't it directorial choice directorial choice yes is that everybody speaks to the front so if you imagine like a read through where people sat, sit on chairs and then they just read their script and they just they're not interacting with one another. That's almost how they've done it. They don't all look at each other, do they, when they're talking? They look yes. out. Yes, there's a lot of that, especially with the ensemble. So at the start, when it's the sort of the hustle and bustle of Hollywood in the opening number, let's have lunch or oh, let's yes. do lunch. Rather than, yes, everyone in like sort of interacting with each other, they're all in a line, like the Hollywood production line, and they're shuffling forward and they get to the front of the stage. And then, yes, they sort of deliver the line straight forward. And I think they did that to just get you really in the set level. They're like, yes. this is how it's going to be. Yeah. It's like straight in. And then shortly into the production, we find out that they're using a lot of cameras. So we'll have camera operators come on with a small camera rig and that what they're filming then gets projected onto the huge, basically the back of the stage is a huge screen that kind of swoops in and out at different angles. <gasps> Talk about that moment where they introduce the characters and you and I both sort of were like, whoa, that worked. Yes, yeah, so we have the opening number and then when he's then driving in his car, we have a camera come sort of right up into his steering wheel and it then we see his face in full frame and then they start doing credits. It says Nicole Scherzinger stars in... Sunset Boulevard, like it's a sort of 1950s movie. And you just see this close-up of her eyes, but it's live on stage. Yeah. And it just worked. It was, it was so cool. So cool. Um, so then, yes, that is then used throughout these cameras that come in. And because obviously film, the whole thing is that silent movie stars did everything with their face. They couldn't have any words. So that, that we get the close-ups and that makes Nicole's casting even more perfect because she's so, she is beautiful. 
and she's got such a, a brilliant face that those you can kind of see that she would have been this star, she's this silent movie star. She's got those sort of in, quite intense dark yes. eyes. Yeah. Oh, it was it gave me the chills. And, and those um, the the filming's black and white as well. So what's what they're filming gets projected in huge black and white screens. So it's not all the time that they're filming, but it's quite a lot. They'll come in and and it's done really seamlessly. It really works. And and also because it's a sort of so to speak not a realistic setting where we're in a black box, it doesn't feel jarring that we're seeing a camera guy in all blacks come on. It it doesn't distract. If that had been in a in an opulent set of her Hollywood mansion and you suddenly see some camera person walking on, mm. it'd have felt a bit weird. You know, mm. even in chess at the, the um E and O, the camera people kind of stood out because they weren't in costume, they weren't yeah, you know. Right. Whereas in this, it works perfectly because it's so theatery. The whole thing is, and there's lots of sort of fourth wall breaking. In yeah, which... you see, you get to see a lot of backstage, and at some points, they're just looking at each other performing backstage. She's yeah. watching the screen. Nicole was watching him do his bit backstage with mm. the camera. Yeah, you're right. yeah. So it's yeah. There's some Jamie Lloyd just does really interesting things, and it seems like they found some really interesting ideas when looking at the piece and what it's about about Hollywood the artifice of Hollywood maybe that's why they've stripped it all back to show the artifice of theatre yeah so one of the numbers that we love um in the show is called this time next year is it which one and they're all talking about what they're going to be doing next year and it's 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 like at the Chris at the New Year's Eve oh, party. Oh, the New Year's one, yeah. And they're all talking about what what jobs they'd like next year, where they'd like to be in their career. And traditionally, that's quite a fun, jolly song. Joking about I won't be just an extra in the background, but in this version, they've put them all in a circle, but they're all pushing each other when they say their lines. So they're pushing to get to the front of the circle, yeah, quite aggressively, yeah. Like, and that was kind of, I guess, a take on the fact that it's a dog eat dog business, and it's like really competitive and hard work and people are backstabbing each other in in Hollywood aren't they yeah so it's little things like that it's quite a dark and you made that point about one of the other numbers in it that's a bit more frivolous and light they've actually cut out of it oh yeah they've cut the ladies paying which is where she takes Joe to the shop like to buy him all the new clothes and in I remember in the Glen Close one it was very funny because you have all the shop attendants um dancing around kind of yeah so they've cut that so they've but I wouldn't say well, it is dark, yeah. It's dark. Yeah. But there's also some funny moments. Oh, like they give, of, they, like, give Nicole, funny they give Nicole some really funny lines because it's not wed to... It's not really set in the... Ni- it is set in 1950, obviously, and they don't change that. The script is still the same. But it's, you know, blank costumes. Um, it's, yeah, it's set in a non-specific, modern-ish theatre box time. So what, where was I going with that? Comedy. Oh yeah, so they get some good, com- like some sort of anachronistic comedy. She does a couple of lines delivered almost like a sort of that. She gives a bit of Kardashian vocal fry in one bit when she's being sort of annoying with Joe. Do you when know she's what I mean? talking about her, the fact that she's going to get a horoscope read, and yes, she kind of sounds like a it. sort of ditzy LA girl. Yeah, she gave that sort of vibe. She gave a little bit of Moira Rose, I thought, at one point from um, Shit's Creek. Yeah. So you know they play with it, and they're not locked into anything. That's the freedom of the setting. And they also, the bit, like you said, when they're filming backstage, they really sort of do some fourth wall breaking thing because one of the characters is looking at a Pussycat Dolls poster. Do you remember? That you've just reminded me of another funny bit. When they do that bit where they're walking through backstage and they go past, yeah, they're going past people's dressing rooms and then they walk 
through the wings and there's a couple kissing in the wings and then they go through another bit and there was a guy just snorting coke off the back of his hand yeah how funny was that yeah they really like and it's so edgy like who yeah who does and there's that? no sort of particular reason for it it's all kind of open to its own interpretation of why they're doing this fourth wall breaking and i thought maybe it had something to do with that the musical was looking at hollywood making a film about you know it's all yeah. like uh, what's the word like meta? You know, sort yeah. of meta. That um, meta uh, thing is quite a fun the, way of looking at it. Yeah, there's a, there's a cardboard cutout of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, yeah, that exactly. He points to like that was just so cool. I loved, I loved that bit where, when we went backstage. And that sort of pays homage to the movie because in the movie there's some meta stuff even for its time. Like they had um, Heta, what's she called? Um, the the gossip columnist appears as herself in the movie. So they the movie did it like looked at Hollywood and had sort of these meta references within the film because it's a film about the film business. Mm. So to make a musical and then have references to the musical world in it, that was so, a really clever idea. It really was. I think the other thing we should talk about, because there isn't, you know, the costumes are very simple. The staging, as in like the set, um, is stripped back, so minimalist. Stripped back. Yeah. Um, and because of that, you really have to have excellent voices that's kind of what's Mm -hmm. carrying you through into this world so let's talk about the performances because obviously nicole smashes it yeah like she delivers Mm -hmm. her big numbers she she i mean she went for it what did you think like what did you think i really liked i really liked it um i mean she was quite amplified but then i think that was the style like there was a slight echo on her mic Mm. but i didn't think that that was to hide anything I think that only for me um, sort of uh, like made her grandeur and maybe that slight echo of that faded grandeur. Do you know what I mean? So I thought that actually worked. It didn't feel like they were trying to be like, let's give her all the help we can oh, no. get. I don't think she needs any help. She no, has a powerful it, voice. And Max, her servant butler, he often had an echo reverb on his mic again because... I guess that's the echo of the big ma- empty mansion. Yes. So I liked all that sounding, and it, but it did sound really dramatic when she sang those big numbers. It was just there was there was a couple of moments, you know, when she does her holds these big notes, yeah. and because she's Nicole and she can, she just went for it a little bit, and it, it kind of peaked a little bit too much for me. I was like, okay, we. That we I've get come it. home at last. Yeah, yeah, it was too long. It was too long. She held that note for too long. It's like Nicole, just because. You know, well, you could, doesn't mean you should. But then I thought, was that a stylistic choice that Norm was holding on too long? Mm. That felt, I, did, I thought, I don't know if I'm liking this, but I thought, no, maybe that's the choice. She won't let it go. She's having her big note and she won't let it go and she's almost gone too far with it. So I decided to see that more as a stylistic choice, I, I guess. I think you're probably right, that was it. I just, I don't know. I was maybe like... I could have used a bit more break in her voice to show that that's what she was doing. Yeah, like when Imelda Staunton did it with Gypsy. Yeah, like a bit of a she shake. Kind of, she's losing it a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of really, you really get it. So, yeah, obviously we could talk for days about Nicole. She, she delivers... You have to see her. Worth noting that she doesn't do every performance. There's no way she could. She doesn't do Monday nights ever. So all the Monday performances are by Rachel Tucker, who was in Wicked and Come From Away. Brilliant voice. um, A brilliant actor. So if you're going on a Monday night, you will be seeing Rachel Tucker, not Nicole Scherzinger. I think she'll be brilliant. Also, we'll talk about ticket prices at the end, but they are cheaper cheaper tickets on a Monday night. So Mondays are Rachel Tucker. So then we had Tom Francis playing Joe Gillis, the lead character, along with Norma. And I thought he was brilliant. Wow, what a sultry kind of 
understated performance, but still got the character bang on. Yeah, so he's a really cynical character, isn't he? And I yes. thought, but cynical because he's kind of at the end, you know, he's been beaten down. And I thought he he did that really well. And we got lots of close-ups of his face on the cameras as well. And I thought he held the camera really well. Oh, he was he was really good. And a good voice. Yeah, kind of a young talent that just felt quite sort of unforced. Yeah, unforced, yeah. Um, yeah, because usually it can be played. We saw Michael Xavier doing it, and I know that John Barrowman did it. It's usually a bit more of a West End leading kind of sexy guy. But this, not that he was unattractive, but do you know what I mean? They didn't play it for that sort of charming. No, he felt like a writer who's come to the, you know, come to the end of his his rope. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was really good. And then, so his love interest is the other um, who's going to help him write his his script when he's not working with Norma. He there's like a sort of a secondary love interest who was played by called Betty, played by Grace Hodgett Young. And in the credits at the beginning, when we had those amazing movie credits come up, she was um, introducing. So she's quite she has been in some things, but she's she's quite new to musical theatre. No way. And yeah, she, she seemed... was like neck and neck for me performance wise was her and Nicole. Yeah, she really had. Um, she really benefited in the way that Nicole benefited from those cameras because her face really can sell movie star. I thought that Grace Hodgett Young, what she she kind of I I thought she she can be in movies like the way she could hold the camera with her simplicity and mm. kind of ease, authenticity. Yeah, authenticity, really laid back performance. She just didn't try too hard. She just, well, she just understood that there's a camera here. I don't... I don't need to I act. I don't need to... I don't really need to act, act. I don't need to push it. No. Yeah, exactly. And you need that because Norma is always acting with her face. She's always pushing her presentation. That's the whole point of that character. So she, I guess Betty needs to be the antithesis of that as just a sort of simple, pure... Because she even says in the script she didn't want to be an actress. That's why she became a writer, even though her family wanted to be an actor. So I thought she got that across really well and then vocally i loved her yeah i loved her vocally she's very true to the sound of other betty schaefer's when you listen to the other cast recordings they all have a very certain tone to their voice sweet maybe or mm, or pure it's old-fashioned the dialect and the way they sing it's an old-fashioned 50s way of speaking and Mm -hmm. singing i can't describe it but it's very kind of all american yeah, Girl. sweet, like yes. a sort of pure songbird. But you know how, like in in, in in like singing in the rain, we're like Dan Dan Lockwood. It's yes. that kind of way of it's it's um what's Debbie Reynolds? Debbie Reynolds. Yes. She's got that tone of quality quality to her voice of Debbie Reynolds. That's exactly what I wanted to say. And she also like I loved her delivery. So when she's talking about the reasons that they're making the script and what they should do with their characters, it felt really real the way that she delivered those lines. Mm-hmm. She kind of speaks in a way that you would say it, not in a musical way. Yes, she didn't push. She didn't push her musical theatre kind of delivery. Yeah, I really like that a lot. I could watch her all day. She was fantastic. And then rounding out your kind of central cast was David Thaxton, who is a very well-known musical theatre performer. I don't think I've seen him in anything, but oh my god, when he sang, he played Max, the um, the butler, to Norma Desmond. I'd forgotten from the Glenn Close one, I'm sure whoever did that concert was also very good, but that's not what I've remembered from that concert, any of his songs. But this one, when he sang, oh my god, and then when I've looked at his credits, because I just knew when he sang, I'm like, this guy's been in Lamers and Phantom for sure. Yeah, he's got a ha- big... That high voice. note, that big, like, belting high note that he did was 
like everyone took a breath in yes and then his his lower register as well that big deep booming it was really haunting and... i feel like we could talk about the show we could do a double edition on this this is just the yeah. being there is so much to talk about yes because the whole and then the whole ensemble was amazing they and worked we really to well together about, we need to talk about the, the the sound of that orchestra with the sound of the by this time next year, when they all sing, sing together. together. Yes. And you know, like we were talking like when we saw Oklahoma and we're like, yeah. it's that big Oklahoma kind of when you've got a big chorus singing out at you. Mm. There are moments of that in here and it works. Yes, they've hired really good ensemble. Like the singers, when they all sing their one lines, you're like, oh, everyone's got the chops to really... And when no you one's... hear really loud singing done well with an orchestra, like it does something to you. Yes, and the orchestra sound amazing. And I love Android Webber's score for this one. I just love all the callbacks to 1950s film noir, that big Hollywood orchestration. I just think it works really well. I even love all the callbacks that he does. Like all the motifs that repeat work really well, especially as Norma's always looking back at her life mm. and her career. So to have that coming around, and that is what film scores do. They play motifs and suites over and over again. Mm. So it works so well. I think it's, I just really, really love the music for this one. And it's all it's been stuck in my head since we saw it last night. All night and all morning. I've just had the songs going around. They're so catchy. I couldn't stop listening to it this morning. I was like, I just need to hear it again. Yeah. God, that production just nails it, doesn't it? Really good. And we said we saw two people walk out. Whether or not they don't see a lot of theatre, and this was like, whoa, this is not what we expected from West End pop star Android Webber. We thought this was going to be like when we went to see Joseph with, you know... Jason Donovan, whether it was that or whether they, you know, I might be being snobby, they might have been absolute theatre aficionados and this just wasn't for them. But I feel like anyone who loves theatre will get something from this production just because of how theatre it is. And all the inventiveness of cameras on stage and, like you said, the mics and the... like Just choices. Everything's a choice. Like, that's, you know, everything felt intentional and... Like, they'd worked on it and come up with something really interesting. And it was, like, kind of dazzling, I thought, you know. Oh, I just thought it was... I, I don't know when you just see something and you're like, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. And also, if you have, it's probably at the National Theatre or something, you know. But to have a West End show starring a pop star in the West End, a big commercial production, but being so edgy and different, I love that. It feels really exciting and, you know, makes you feel like, okay, yeah, the West End... It's not just for tourists. This isn't a production just to get your tourists in to see Nicole. I'm sure it is too, but they a also want to make something. A lot of people realise what an amazing actress and singer Nicole is and how brave she is for actually doing this. Because mm, I think so. I think this is a really... It's such a big sing. She's on stage so much. And it's not just a, it's not just a big sing. There's a, all of the acting she has to do mm-hmm. is exhausting. And they've whacked a camera right up in her face for a lot of it as well. So she's not even, she can't even hide behind the footlights of the, you know, of the theatre smoke and mirrors. It's doing everything. She's got to play to a full house live by herself, but also she has to do a film performance at the same time. Yeah. So it is really brave of her. I mean, she is so confident, isn't she? But I suppose you kind of have to be for this role. Norma Desmond was a very egocentric woman. And I feel like it's such good casting. She does it so well. And even in in the moments where she kind of loses it and she is fragile, she does those excellently as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's a brilliant production. I would highly recommend it to anyone. I think we're going to be going again. Yes. um, Well, let's talk about tickets then. So So how long is it on for? Not very long. It's only on until the 6th of January. So 
two months, less than two months. Like, it's a very short run. It's a 16-week in total run. Do you think it might extend or transfer to another theatre? I just don't know if Nicole will stay. And without her, I don't know who... Like, if it... You know, I think Mm. it's such a sort of a magical moment. I just don't know. I don't... But it... I'm sure Rachel Tucker's going to be amazing on Mondays and I would be really interested to see her. So ticket prices, let's start with the Mondays then. So they're cheaper because you're not getting Nicole Scherzinger, you're getting Rachel Tucker, another brilliant West End performer, but obviously not a pop star. So those tickets are much cheaper. So if you're on a budget and you just love theatre and, you know, I think it'll be fantastic. I think she'll be really good, but we haven't seen her, so we can't say. It's quite an expensive show. Full price tickets, they vary if you go earlier in the week. They, our seats were, what were our seats? Um, 80, 87 pounds, which is quite a lot. We Why are they 87? I thought they were 78. Mm, I don't know. I think we spent 80 in the end. I think we were like, let's just go for it. I'm glad we did because they were excellent. We had a really good view. There was no one in front of us. We were kind of on the edge of our row, weren't we? We were at the end and no one right in front yes, of the walkway. We're, yeah, we're in the first, um, the first circle, weren't we? And those seats are quite good. Their labels is restricted because there's like a little, you know, little safety rail in front of you, but it's super low. So I thought those were really good. But tickets do go up to about 130. Um, so, and our seats sometimes are 97 on like a Friday and a Saturday. So if you're going in the end of the week, they're more expensive. I think that's, Back a, of the school, I think that's a big tip for people. Go, go midweek. It'll be a little bit cheaper. A little bit cheaper. In the run up to Christmas, probably not. They'll probably put the prices up again. Yeah, we were in the dress circle on row G, and those, the first sort of G1 to G5 or 6 are slightly cheaper because they're on the side and behind that safety rail, but you get an amazing view. So if you can get those for £87, then it's really worth it. If you can't afford that, then I think the best option is the ticket lottery, although you don't have very many weeks to enter that. But mm. you have from Monday to Wednesday, the lottery is open for submission. So you just go onto the Today Ticks app. Then on Wednesday, between 1pm and 5pm, they draw the winners. And you have to basically turn on notifications on that app because you'll get a notification from the app or sometimes they text you and they say you've won. And you then have half an hour to click confirm and buy those tickets. So if you miss your notification and you don't find out that you've won, you lose your ticket. So you just have to, if you've entered the lottery, just... Remember to be checking your phone. At one o'clock. On, on, yeah, a Wednesday afternoon to see if you've won. So that's your best bet if you want to go on the cheap. Otherwise, you're looking at, I guess, the back of the upper circle. I mean, you do have those big screens, so that does help in terms of actually seeing the performance Mm -hmm. from further back. Yes. So that will be something. However, I think I would go for upper circle as opposed to what we did for Dreamgirls, which was the back of the dress circle at the Savoy Theatre. The overhang is big. Do not sit yeah. at the back. Do not sit on the back of the dress, dress circle. circle. It's not a great view. It's you, you feel very far back. Yeah, because the upper circle above you, it, it sits low, so you feel you do feel like you're under it. So I think you'd be better off being higher up, but not having anything above your head, so you can just look straight down at the stage. Yeah. Um. So Sunset Boulevard is on at the Savoy Theatre on the Strand in London until January the sixth. Run, don't walk. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so, so good. So good. Um, tell me about Ballet Boys, their new show, because it's the first one of theirs that I've not seen in ages. So I went to see Ballet Boys' new show, and it is called England on Fire. The blurb on the website said, 10 musicians, one rock band, 13 dancers, four performances, burning the dance floor. So I was excited, and the poster looks amazing, 
you and I have seen, you've seen all of... I think nearly all of the Ballet Boys. And for anyone who doesn't know who the Ballet Boys are, they're a dance company that was created um, by two guys that were originally in the Royal Ballet. And it's an all-male dance group. And it's very powerful, um, sort of modern dance, but with a sort of roots in ballet. So it's like yeah. classically, yeah. yeah, they've been classically trained. And it's it's really cool stuff that they do. And yeah, it's all male and they do kind of small pieces. They're not like full length ballets. So this one is in actually in collaboration with another company, a drag company called Thick and Tight. Oh. Yes. With multi-award winner Russell Malafant, choreographer performer Vidal Patel, stopgap dance company art director Lucy Bennett, and they joined forces with theatre director Ola Ince and choreographer Shelley Maxwell to create a live experience like no other. Oh, so this is a real collaboration. Yes. Yeah. And they also had an onstage band with like a punk, kind of punky band. It's a little bit like the band that I wanted it to have been in Black Sabbath. I was just about to say, we've just been at Sadler's Wells and complained that they really needed a live onstage band. And this there we band, done it. they were really, it was like being at a sort of, they came on and there was amps everywhere. There was leads everywhere. They were like so cool and then when the dancers were dancing to them I actually felt like they were like in a mosh pit at like an actual club yeah. whereas I felt like the dancers in the Black Sabbath ballet it felt like choreographed dance club dancing yes. it wasn't yeah, kind yeah. of they weren't really letting loose yeah they weren't feeling that vibration from the amp in their bodies so England on Fire is now no longer on so you can't go and see it at Sadler's Wells but if it ever was to come back at Oscar I think you would really enjoy it it was some really fun sort of traditional English dancing in it. So folk dancing, um, mm. kind of nods to the, what other people, the Merry, Merry... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, Morris dances. Morris dances, um, pagan, lots of sort of pagan ritual kind of... Oh, yeah. I felt like at one point, you know when you're sort of like, the, the they had these big drum stuff, like, like war drums, mm. and that kind of built up, and then she was dancing around, and I felt like... Is this someone going to get murdered? You know, that kind yeah. of pagan sort of wicker man thing. Oh, yeah. I love that feeling where you're like, is someone going to get murdered or is this a celebration? I'm not sure. Yes. Which is. And yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that. But then other parts in it, and I went to see it with my goddaughter. She said the same thing. She felt like some parts where it slowed down and this kind of central girl was just sort of wishing around, sort of, you know, stumbling around. It made us quite sleepy and hypnotic. Mm-hmm. And then it would gear up again and this yeah. bit, the drums would come back and you were like, oh my God, this is cool. But those bits in between... Yeah. Those are was, bits where sometimes I arrest my eyes. I did feel like I was going to fall asleep. Yeah. And so I just wish that the whole thing had had just a snippy little edit. Mm-hmm. Let's take out those sorts of bits where people are sort of just looking at each other in masks and do very slow walking. Let's just cut all that. That's not so good. Um, so I think for somebody that likes the Ballet Boys um, and would like to see all of their work like you go and see it but I'm not like I wouldn't go back and see it again I'm happy yeah. I did see it but it didn't completely work for me um but I can't yeah I can't see it because it's been and gone but it's been yeah and gone. it's a shame I missed that one so but I'll, I'll see the next the next ballet boys piece for sure whenever that may be definitely they're always on at saddle as well aren't they come back yeah. often um what else do we have to talk about this week oh do you know what I saw the new Mean Girls trailer have you seen it the new film yeah the new film it's written by Tina Fey isn't it well who, it's the film of the stage musical, but you would not know that from the trailer. Oh. Because they feature a zero singing in the trailer. No singing at all. 
What? So, hang on. So the new mean, film... Mean Girls is a movie, 2004, an absolute stone-cold classic. They then made a Broadway stage musical um, written by Tina Fey's husband, I believe. Oh. He did the music because he's a musician. That Broadway musical is going to come to the West End next year and be on the stage here. They've now made a movie version of that stage musical. So using all the songs from oh. the musical, it's a full musical movie. I've seen the trailer. Yeah. And it looks like the movie happens again, yeah. but just with a whole different cast. And no singing. And no yeah. singing. But if you look, there's some moments where you can see a bit of dancing, where you're like, oh, are they in a, doing a school show? I'm like, why do that? They always do this, don't but, they? But I don't even... They just don't... They're so scared that people will go, oh, it's a musical, I don't want to see it now. Yeah, but then I'm like... But instead, you're going to have people saying, oh, why are you remaking, doing a straight remake of Mean Girls? And I think it's such a mistake, because I think if you look at any musicals that have done well, uh, like The Greatest Showman, Mamma Mia, they've done well because they are like unabashedful musicals and people went to see them like musicals. Don't try and get people... Mm. Who are they? Who do they think they're appealing to by doing a straight remake of Mean Girls? People who love the original? No, why would you want to watch a remake of a perfect film? Mm. So, You're so right. Sell us something new, which is that it's a musical. It's so annoying. So stupid. And I know it's quite hard to make a musical trailer because how much of the songs do you show? They haven't even used any of the musical's score underneath the trailer. It's like a um, Olivia Rodrigo song underneath. So it's not even used any of the music at all. It's so irritating. Maybe they'll do another trailer closer to the time. But just say this is a, a big new musical. Did you love The Great Showman? Go see this. Do you like West Side Story? Yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's weird. Very, very weird. I'm excited. That's coming out in January 2024. Yeah. yeah so I can see that on my birthday. Yeah, Maybe so we'll do a cinema trip. Spread the word. It's a musical. <laughs> the secret's out. Mean Girls, the musical, is going to be a movie. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. And Tina Fey's going to be in it again, reprising her role. She's going to play the teacher again. Love it. Um, and I think the principal, he's still in it playing the principal. Yes. So that's quite fun that they've got some original people back. But it is a musical. Um, so yeah, so that was annoying. That annoyed me this week. Yeah. Um, next week, what are we seeing? Do we have anything coming up? Oh, I'm seeing The Witches at the National Theatre, the new musical of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Ooh. So I'm quite excited for that. I know nothing really about about the creative team on that one. I just booked it a while back. Um, <laughs> so yeah, The Witches will be in our next episode of the National Theatre and anything else. Uh, again, thanks for listening to Theatre Club Podcast. Bye. Bye.